Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Paul is constantly talking about the law. I think the Holy Spirit's probably trying to tell us something through the Apostle Paul. Law this, law that, because the law mixes a lot of people up. Actually, I'd like you to back up to Romans 3, because I want you to see some progression here uh, by way of introduction before we get into the text in Romans 7. In Romans 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh... Be justified, where? In his sight. And we know, because we went through this entire chapter, the law cannot justify anyone before God. Romans chapter 5, watch it pops up again. There's so many of these places, we'll just pick a few. Uh, Verse 20, Romans 5, verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered, why? That the offense might abound. It didn't come so you can keep it to be saved. You can't keep it. And therefore it shows you when it enters. That the offense. Your offenses. My offenses. Abound. Law can't justify you. It enters so that you can see. How abundant your offenses are. Romans 6 verse number 14. It says. For sin shall not. Have dominion over you. Well, why not? Here's why. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. When you were justified before God, by God's grace, you don't have any condemnation anymore because you're in Christ, and the law has no dominion over you because you're not under it anymore. When we get to Romans 7, we've got to get a hold of this. Because not only can the law not save you, not justify you, not none of that. The, the law also cannot sanctify you and I in our Christian walk as we live for Christ as believers. It's not like you get saved and the law has to come back in. That's what we follow to be able to be sanctified. Romans 7 is going to address this. You have to remember, the law is a very touchy subject. They tried to kill Paul over it. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read you Acts 21. I jotted it down, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man, speaking of Paul, that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law. They say he polluted. They said also into the temple and have polluted this holy place. They pull Paul out of the temple and they try to kill him. Because he's preaching Jesus Christ and him crucifying is telling Jews, yeah, that law's not going to do nothing for you. Whether someone is saved or unsaved, both sides need to get an understanding of the law. That's why people who are saved, they've trusted Christ, they're genuinely saved. 
but they doubt their salvation. Why? A misunderstanding of the law. Lost people, same way. They go to the law and they think, well, I haven't killed anybody. I'm pretty good. And so therefore, God must. You go through enough law with them, they're going to realize that they really didn't keep as much as they thought they did. Paul's not trying to be some lone renegade just out there on an island of his, of his own, keep slamming this law thing. He knows that the heart of man continually does a few things. And one of them is this. The heart of man continually searches for ways to do something in his own efforts for God. We want to be right by what we do. And we have to be careful that we're not just doing stuff for God. And we better be careful that the stuff that we're doing for God is of God. And not of the power of our flesh in order to keep thou shalt and thou shalt not. The heart of man also continually seeks this. What is old and familiar. Now if you were a Jew. And you're in the book of Acts, or you're in the first century, and all you had was Jewish law and everything that had to do with God re revolved around the law, do you see how it would be very easy for them to want to go back to what is old and familiar? The heart of man continually resists something new. They always want what is old and comfortable. And that's why he's always bringing out this law. They look at Paul. Well, he's new. What he's saying is untried. We've got the prophets. We've got the law. Let's stick with that. That was trusted by those guys. And this misunderstanding of the law gets us confused. All right. Now, Romans 7. Verse 1. Know ye not, brethren. We know who brethren are, brothers and sisters in Christ, saved people. For I speak to them that know the law. If you're a brethren or a sister, and you would know the law. Especially us nowadays, we can turn back and read it in Exodus 20 and all through, all through the Old Testament. It's familiar to us. How that the law hath dominion over a man. As long as he liveth. Now the analogy that's going to come up is a very curious analogy. But we see in the first verse. If a man lives. The law has dominion over him. And you can't get rid of that nowadays. Because if you break the law. You don't get away with it. The law dominates. It's going to tell you what's right or wrong, and you're going to get a ticket for it, or you're going to get arrested for it, or you're going to get in trouble for it. You can't, you can't escape laws. So we have that understanding. Now watch how it goes on to say, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he, her husband, live, live it. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. 
meaning you can't do that. That would be wrong. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. There's, there's an exclusion to marry another. The first husband dies. Wherefore, verse 4, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. We're going to get to the bringing forth fruit part uh, either tonight or next Sunday. Uh, not sure. But here's what I want to say as we start this, as we, do, we want to understand this doctrine. Verse number one, look what it says. In the parentheses, for I speak to them that know what? The law. Verses number two and three, what do you see? A husband, a wife. Verse three, marriage is mentioned. Where does that bring you back to in the Old Testament? That should bring us all back to Genesis 2. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, I told you we're going to get to the, we're going to get to the uh, fruitfulness uh, on the next lesson, because there's a whole lot there with that man and woman, one flesh thing, as far as white living. But here's what I want us to understand this morning, doctrinally. When you as a man marries a woman, or when a woman marries a man, there is an aspect of that where you are no longer individuals, you are one flesh. Does that make sense? You're one. That's what the marriage union is. One flesh. That's what you become when you get married. Okay, husbands, if your wife dies, guess who else dies? If you're one flesh, your husband dies. You say, wait a minute, he's still alive. No, I didn't say the man died. <laughs> as a man, he's still alive. But as a husband, he's dead. Why? Because when a man and a woman come together in marriage and they become husband and wife, they are one flesh. Wives, if your husband dies, guess who also dies? Your husbands. Husbands, your wife dies. It's the same thing, both ways. Even though the woman may still be alive, that is true, but the wife isn't. Because she doesn't have a husband and they're one flesh and one died so the other dies. We all get that? We understand that point? While they are both alive, they are both bound to what? The marriage law. And that one flesh cannot and should not be broken. The binding is the marriage law. The law binds it. What are we dealing with in Romans? 
Roman believers. They have a union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like you and I have a union with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we've trusted him. What does that mean? Remember the baptism last week? What happened when we trusted Christ? We died. How did we die? We died in him. Romans chapter 6. Look at verse number 6. Romans 6. We'll just go back so we can get our eyeballs on it. Uh, verse number 6. Romans 6.6. 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. We die. That's what that baptism pictures. The death that we had with Christ. We come into a union with him. Christ dies, we die. Galatians 4, it said, well, let's, go, let's turn there. Galatians 4. Verse number 4. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Underline this in your mind here or in your Bible. Made under what? The law. He kept every single part of the law. He fulfilled every aspect of the law. He was made under that law. Why? Verse number five tells us to do what? To redeem them that were under the law. That would be you and I. We can't keep it. If it's not the Mosaic law that we have written to us as the Jewish nation, it's the law that's written in our hearts. It shows us that we're a sinner. We can't get away from it. We all know it. You were made under the law and you can't keep it. Christ was made under the law and he kept it. And he was made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law. That would be us. For what purpose? That we might receive the adoption of sons. Second Corinthians 5, you don't have to turn there. It says that if one died for all, then we're all dead. As a believer, did you die with the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. You were crucified with him. Yet you live. Well, how can you be dead and live? Because your life is hid with Christ and God now, right? Colossians 3. But we died with him. We were buried with him. This first husband, not only is the law, but it's Christ made under that law. That's why Romans 6 says we were crucified. That old man was crucified. That henceforth we should not do what? Serve sin. Romans chapter 7, what are we talking about? How to live righteously as a believer. People have a hard time with living right nowadays. This is why we have Romans 6, 7, and 8. Look at verse number 3 in Romans 7. So then. While her husband liveth, 
she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. That's bad news. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. We talked about this. The law demands one flesh in marriage. But if her husband dies, what is she not anymore? She's not a wife anymore. The wife part is dead also. The woman part isn't dead. She's still a woman. When her husband dies, what is she free to do without being called by God in adulteries? Marry again. But she can only marry again if her husband is dead. Because if her husband is dead, she as a wife is dead as well. Although her body as a woman lives on. So if she chooses, she can remarry because she is not dead to the law of her husband anymore. And that death dissolves that marriage law. Romans 7, 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. How do we become dead to the law? By the body of who? Christ. What did we talk about in Sunday school this morning? Church membership as the body of Christ. That's not what this context is. This is the incarnate, virgin-born, body of flesh made manifest that was 100% God and 100% man, body of flesh context. That wasn't the stuff we were talking about as Christ as the head of the church this morning. This is the incarnate body of Christ. Okay? That ye should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. What's the comparison that everybody can see very easily? You have this woman who's married, and it's now being compared to the believer who is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you trusted Christ, you're in him, you're a believer. So now we want to understand this. If the wife is dead, who also dies? The husband. When the believer is dead, When are you as a believer dead? You're buried with him in baptism. When Christ dies. Did Christ die for you? Did he fulfill all the laws so that you didn't have to? Did he keep it 100% perfect so that you and I can't? Did he offer up his body of flesh and die as a sacrificial payment for you and I? Have you trusted him? You see, when he died, you died. He died for you. We are, that's the picture. We are buried with him, representing that we are dead. Yet, what's alive? You're starting to get the dots connected in relation to the law? We're bound to that law for the wages of sin is death. We can't keep the law. 
who did, Christ, were buried with him. We are dead to that law. We're dead to it. It has no bind on us. A woman, a, a husband and a, and a wife are bound to that law, to that marriage law. There's no way around it. You can't get away from that marriage law. There's the only way around it is one way. One of them has to die. You and I are bound to that law. And it's going to condemn us and send us to hell. There's one way around it. Someone has to die. And when Christ dies, we die with him. And that law no longer binds us. We're no longer bound to it. And Paul has to write this so that believers know that they're not bound to that law. And he's saying, look, fellas, just like this woman, you are free. You are loose. Christ died. You're no longer bound to the law. And he's using the husband and wife relationship. We see it in Ephesians where he gave his life for the church. And we see the love between a man and a woman is pictured uh, in, in, in that. But you have, we'll get to this in a later message, this woman could have two husbands, not at the same time. Only when one dies, then she is loosed from that law. And she is free to marry another. It's like these Roman believers have two different states of the same husband. What do you mean by that? You have Christ made under the law who died on the cross. Under the law. And then you have Christ in the resurrected state. Is it the same Christ? Yes. Are there two different states? Yes. The first state is what? The under the law state. The second state is what? He's risen again. Go to 2 Corinthians 5, because we got to, I want you to get this thought. And keep your finger in Romans 7. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse number 14. <clears throat> For the love of Christ, verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. But we thus judge that if one died for all, that be Jesus Christ, then we're all dead. You see that relationship there? He died, we died. And that he died for all, verse 15, that they which should live, well, wait a minute. I'm getting confused. There's death and there's life. Yes. Yes. The two states of Jesus Christ, his life, dying on the cross, being crucified. Did that save you? Oh, no. It paid for your sin. It paid for the sins of the whole world. But where does the saving come in? He has to be resurrected. This is why it's urgently important to preach the gospel. 
It's not just the death of Christ on the cross. It's that three days and three nights later, he did what? Rose again. Without that, it's just, okay, well, Christ died. Now what? Because you died with that. Now what? Well, we need life. Watch what it says in the next part of the verse. And then he died for all, verse 15. That they should live, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and did what? Rose again. You've got to have the died for them part and you have to have the rose again part. Because you died with him when he died. When he rose again, he gave you newness in life. So you have a death and a resurrection. You've got a new life. You're a new creature in Christ. That only happens because of the resurrection. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Because Christ after the flesh did what? Died in the flesh. What do you think? He stayed dead? It doesn't matter what the uh, Romanism church puts or the Lutheran church, whatever the whatever Anglican church, whatever these outfits to put a cross with a, with a dead savior on it. We don't know him anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is that you? You're a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. Why? Because of the resurrection. We don't have to wait till springtime to talk about this stuff. It's because of the resurrection. Death and life. Go back to Romans 7. When he's still in verse number four, it's sitting right there, the two conditions or the two states of Jesus Christ in Romans 7, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law. How? By the body of Christ. That's men under the law. Christ died because he kept the law. He was the perfect sacrifice. The second condition of Christ is this. That ye should be married to another. Well, who would that be? Even to him who was raised from the dead. Well, who would that be? The same Christ. Just not the one that was dead on the cross. The one that is risen again. Does that make sense? Christ passes from one state to another in his death. And then through his resurrection. Before the cross. Did we have any of this? You won't find it in the Bible. Not before the cross. The only way that this union could come about. Was if God sent his son. To be made under the law, born of a woman, and be and be birthed down here on earth. That's the only way that it could happen. 
virgin-born incarnation of Jesus Christ. He came to die, yes. Why did he die? To be risen again. People say Jesus was born. Great, why? So he would die. Okay, great. Did Christ died for you. What's that going to do for you? Nothing unless what? He rose from the dead. You've got to have all three. And so there's this union here in Romans 7, verse number 4. If one died, we're all dead. That's the union with the first husband. We died with Christ. Now we're free. He was made under the law. He kept the law. That law we're dead to now. Why are we dead to it? Because Christ kept it. He died to it. We're, we, we're buried with him. And now what? He brings us to newness of life now. We're not bound to that law anymore. We don't have any condemnation to that law. That first husband, we're dead. It's dead. Now we're alive to live for him. And so who was raised from the dead? That's that saving union that is only made possible by the death of the first. How can a woman be married to a second husband? Biblically, it can only happen if the first one dies. How can you be married and, and, and have a saving union with Christ? How can you become the bride of Christ? First, he has to die. Were we buried with him? When he died, did he die? When he died, did we die? Yes. Okay. Are we raised in newness of life? Okay. Are we free from the law that he kept and died unto? We are free from that law. And now we don't live our Christian life trying to keep the law as if we're bound to it. No, we have been released from that. And now we are identified with our new, we're, we're the bride of Christ now, a new life. Living, living for the resurrected Savior. Why? Why did Christ die? Christ died, according to Romans 7, so that we would be married to another. Yes, he died according to the scriptures. Amen. But the purpose of his death was that we should be married to another. Who's the another? Even to him who is raised from the dead. Who's that? Christ. We're the bride of Christ. This is where salvation is found. It's not found. Look, all our sins are paid for on the cross, but salvation isn't found at the cross. Salvation is found at the cross plus the resurrection. The state of Christ passing from death, being dead, we're buried with him, to what? Rising again. That's the gospel. You've got to have, you've got to have both parts. And Romans 7, 4, you can say, really is the heart of the gospel. When you, when you think about this, think about uh, a wife. She gets married. She's one flesh. For the rest of her life down here on earth, all she is doing is thinking about how to please her husband. She arranges the home. She puts the home in order with him on her mind. She prepares all of the meals with him on her mind. 
and the love that she has for him that makes the thing united. It makes it the one flesh thing. But something tragic happens one day. The old man dies. And some time goes on and she is free to marry another. So she meets another and she marries another. But things quickly get real strange because she's ordering the home the same way that she ordered the home for her first husband. She's fixing the meals the same way she's making ham and eggs because her first husband liked ham and eggs. And he finally gets up enough courage to say to her, you're just going through the motions like your heart is way on your first husband. All you're thinking about is pleasing him. You're not thinking about pleasing me. And you know what that is? That's the believer trying to live the Christian life under the law. You have the law on your mind. And Christ, who you're supposed to be married to another, is longing for you to say, you know what, I really wish you would have me on your mind. Why are you trying to live your life keeping all these laws when I fulfilled it for you? I died for you. I thought you died with me. And now I thought you're married to another. Me is the risen Christ. Does that make sense? You know what the problem a lot of Christians have? We're arranging our life to please the law. Our first husband, our first wife. And yes, we're saved. But we can't get the law off of our mind. And Christ is wondering when you're going to get your heart and mind affixed on me and start living your life to please me instead of that old law that we both are supposed to be dead to. That make sense? And you're released. Wife is released, husband died, husband released, and the wife dies. Christ died, we die with him, we're released from that law. We're released from that law. And guess what? We're free to marry another. Don't have two identities. You cannot live the Christian life in love with your former life, trying to keep the law. The union, the saving union you have with Christ is that he makes intercession for you. He forever liveth to make intercession for you. He is in you and for you. And the purpose that you and I have now with that union is for us to live wholly for him. Not having our hearts affixed to an old law that consumes all of our desires. That's not it. Salvation was never in law keeping. And that risen Christ were married to another. Are you saved this morning? If you're saved this morning, the same way law keeping couldn't save you, the same way law keeping cannot sanctify you. Live your life to please the one that saved you. And he will do the work in your heart. And he will be the one that gives you enough grace to produce fruit. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. 
We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.